What's up, what's up, everybody? You are now tuned in to Hard Headed, the podcast that dives into the minds of the best softball players in the world to discover how they train and maintain success in this sport of failure. I'm your hostess with the mostest, AJ Andrews, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by two-time All-American and national champion out of Oklahoma University, the fabulous Kaylee Clifton. How are you doing today, girl? I'm doing good. Just hanging out. (laughs) All we can do right now. (laughs) Yeah, you just got to make the best out of not so good of a situation, which I feel in the game of softball, we are quite accustomed to. Absolutely. Just taking adversity and rolling with it, adjusting to it. (laughs) You being a national champion, Uh something that not everyone has the opportunity to say at the wonderful position of shortstop, what would you say is the most adversity that you faced and were able to overcome to not only be able to declare yourself a champion, but also an All-American? Honestly, I would say that where I really became myself and became the player that I was, was the fall of my freshman year at OU. I came in, you know, scared, a little bit scared, wanting to perform the best that I could. So I put this unnecessary pressure on myself all the time because I I knew the potential I had and I just wanted to show others that, that I had that. So I put this like unnecessary pressure on myself. And once Coach Gasso just kind of talked to me and like let us know that failing is a huge part of your success, like she was like, go make errors, go make mistakes, go do that. As long as you learn from them, that's all I care about. So fail, I want you to fail. It's almost like our freshman year, was our rebuilding year for OU. And uh, she's like, go fail, go, go do as many errors as you need to, you know, learn from it and take that and just learn from it. And you'll be become a better player. And since then I played free. Like I knew that, I mean, softball is a game of failing. You're going to fail, you know, it's just part of it. And just knowing that our coach had our back and if we failed, we failed, but we're given effort. And I just had this calming about me and I was just able to play free and it was just it was (laughs) life-changing it sounds simple but getting to play free and not having this unnecessary pressure on yourself is just it's nice (laughs) oh absolutely I can't even I think there's the fact that for a coach to come up and tell you I want you to fail the fact that you would really just feel like it is okay for me to go through this process in my own way and not have to be perfect every single time is something that I would think would be extremely comforting. One of my favorite quotes is that failure is not the opposite of success. Failure is a part of it. And you cannot truly reach great success without first having failed and failed over and over again. What would you say is the biggest failure you experienced that was in reality the biggest blessing that helped you reach higher levels of success? I can't think of one specific like failing moment that defined anything, but I will say 
Shay Knight, and we both came in as freshmen together. And we all came in battling for the same position. Me, Sydney Romero, and Shay Knighton. We all came in as freshmen going for the same position at shortstop. And Coach Gus was like, all right, you guys go to your spots. And like four or five of us went to shortstop. She was like, okay, this isn't going to work. So we split off. I actually ended up going to second base. And Shay and I were battling at second base my entire freshman year in the fall. And I'll say just like battling and fighting with Shay for a position is something that shaped me into the player I am today because I looked at it as healthy competition. Like everything that Shay was doing, good or bad, made me better and made me work harder. And I think that there's beauty in healthy competition. And I would say like Shay absolutely made me better because I failed several times, you know, when I was fighting for that position, but it just made me want to be better and do better. So I would just say it all came in the off season of my freshman year, really. I think that is so important. Sometimes we don't realize just how much your teammates can help you get better. It's not your opponents that are going to shape you into the player you are. It's the people that you step on that field with every single day. How are you able to turn that competitive spirit into something positive instead of hating Shay (laughs) for having to compete with her in order to win that spot? I mean, no doubt. I think even Shay would admit to it. Like, because I mean, everyone, everyone wants a position. But honestly, we just respected each other so much. And, you know, we were good friends. And we almost just made like a game out of it. Almost. It was just fun. I know that it sounds crazy saying like, oh, we're fighting for the same thing. There's no way it could be fun. But like, we made it fun. And like, we found a way to make it fun, even if they were freaking hard. And, you know, coaches grinding us out, like whatever it was. But we just found a way to like keep it light. And that's what also I think helped both of us is just having fun with it, but taking it super serious because we both know what we want. Absolutely. How were you able to truly win that spot at shortstop and become what is known today, the Kaylee Clifton out of OU? (laughs) It took failing (laughs) a lot and knowing that my coach has my back just taking the pressure off of my shoulders of being like, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. Just knowing that I'm going to give a hundred percent effort. I'm going to give my best. My team knows what I'm capable of. And my coach knows what I'm capable of. Whether I do that 10 times out of 10, five times out of 10, two times out of 10, whatever it is, I know that they have trust in me and I have trust in them. And that's like a huge part of just meshing and gelling together. And I think that's just what made me play comfortable is knowing that They always had my back and I always had theirs. So I was able to play like super relaxed, which was awesome because there wasn't this unnecessary pressure anymore, just knowing that they trust me and I trust them. Without having that added pressure, how does that allow you to focus on getting better in your skill set and being able to brush off the mistakes that you make and be able to push forward rather than dwell on it and allow it to push you to make another mistake and another mistake? I mean, it's not always easy. I can't say that. I can just brush every error off like it was nothing to this day. But I have a better mindset about it and knowing that, you know what, I got the next one, whatever it is, like I got the next one. And I mean, I think that a lot of times we lose sight of it. It's literally a game that we all enjoy playing. So have fun with it. Like don't dwell on a mistake you had here or there, because like I said, you're going to fail. It's just part of it. No one's perfect. So just being able to take the pressure off and just have fun with it 
my four years at OU was the most fun I've ever had playing softball in my entire life. Like the most fun. And it's crazy because I'm playing at a higher level than I had previously ever played, which with a higher level comes more pressure. But our team almost thrived in pressure situations. And we took the pressure and just like we had more fun with it in a way. So I don't know. It was just a lot of fun. And you can take pressure however you want. We just kind of looked at it almost as like a task and like a game in itself. And we would just take it on and have fun with it almost. Having fun with it. I definitely think in regards to your tenure at OU, it definitely looked like you guys had a lot of fun being able to watch you guys on TV at the World Series every year. Definitely (laughs) seemed like it was a lot of fun. You were at the shortstop position. What is something that you have worked on to really be able to develop the range that it takes to be able to get all the balls that come your way at shortstop? Um, I played a few games at shortstop like when our shortstop was hurt, but I played at second base. So I think the same thing almost applies range-wise from shortstop to second. And that's the range is something that I kind of had to deal with because when you get to college, the game's a lot faster. So taking these really deep angles gives a base runner, you know, more time to get down the line, stuff like that. So just knowing who your opponents are and knowing how much time you have taking deep angles like I always wanted to play as deep as possible so I could cut off any balls that you know I could but I also had to know the speed of each runner so just kind of weighing in on who you're playing who's on the base path stuff like that is there one drill and or activity you guys did at practice that you really felt helped develop your ability to get any and every ball that came your way no matter where it was or what hole it was placed in So this drill Coach Gasso had us do in the fall a lot. We'd all be at shortstop and we'd have a ladder out and we'd do quick feet and we'd be right in the base path and she'd roll a ball far out of our reach. But instead of fielding it on the grass, she always wanted us to cut it off and get it on our feet. And then after we fielded it, we had to turn around and like throw it either second. And if we fielded it on our backhand, throw it to third, whatever it was, and just always emphasize getting everything on your feet like laying out is like the last option she just always wanted us to be strong in our legs so we'd always work on really quick movements with our legs first steps being on the hop very quick movements right as soon as batter's about to hit the ball we'd work on our first step and being really quick with our feet and diving and whatever very last minute so just get a ladder get your feet moving, get quick with it, and cut every ball off you can before it touches the grass. What about the balls that are hit directly to you? How do you play those? (laughs) I don't know why, but the (laughs) ones that are hit like right at me are so weird to me. I don't know why. Because it's like they have enough time to like lay low on the ground that like the last minute I feel like it could take a bad hop. But with that, I think you just have to kind of judge it, see how hard it's coming off the bat. Obviously, if it's a slow roller, attack it. Um, something hit right at you. You might even have a chance to like do a drop step and get a long hop rather than a short hop. But balls right at you, you just want to kind of work through. And hey, if you have to take one off the chest, take one off the chest and just hopefully still get an out. But yeah, that's just something you have to judge. <laughs> Speed of the ball, bounce, everything like that. But those ones right at you, man. <laughs> I don't know what it is. 
Oh, I feel it's the same way in the outfield. The balls that are hit directly at you on a line, they're the hardest ones to judge based off if you have to go back, if you need to go forward, how many it's just it's a little more it's a more of a different look than the balls that have a little bit more air to them or they're hit more at an angle. When you are developing how to work on getting those balls that are hit directly to you or the balls that are hit in the gaps, in the holes, what is the main thing that you want to focus on right before the play is made? Well, I want to focus on exactly where the runners are, right? Like before the speed at every bag situation that we're in, if we're up, if we're down, I always want to like analyze each situation. And then after that, I just want to make sure that I keep the ball in the infield and knock something down and get it out wherever it is while also trying to stay on my feet. Like I said, staying on your feet is huge and I don't ever want to be like diving for a ball unnecessarily. So uh, just staying on my feet, knowing where my runners are, speed of them, and if I can get more than one out, possibly two out. So being in the right position at the right time is huge too. It's so funny. I absolutely love to dive. And I'm trying to dive even in situations where maybe it's not that necessary. <laughs> and so to hear you say middle infield, you work on hard to not have to dive if it's not necessary. What do you consider a necessary moment to completely lay out to get the ball? If I've taken a deep enough angle, like I'm on the grass and I, I literally can't get this on my feet, I'll lay out. Or something that's a shot, like you know, something hit super hard at you to your right or to your left, and you don't even have enough time to take steps. That's a diving situation for me. But something that's like rolling on the ground for a long time, um, I'm going to try to take as deep of an angle as possible that's not unnecessary where I'm in out in the outfield to try and get it on my feet and cut it off. Obviously, shots that are hit super hard at your right or left, you're going to have to. But balls that are rolling deep um, at our angles will try to just use our legs and get there. But sometimes it's really hard. I dive a lot too, but I try not to if I don't have to. Don't want to miss out on any Athletes Unlimited news? We got you. Sign up for our newsletter for exclusive content and updates at AUProSports.com. Follow us on social at AUProSports. When working on getting that proper angle, a deeper angle to the ball, is it something you do maybe with cones? Is it just repetition? How do you develop that right judgment to know the right angle to take to get to that ball? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. I think you can first start out, you know, just with cones and working on your first drop step, it being a nice, smooth, you know, staying low, everything like that. I think you can start out that way. But I think where it really comes into play is a live ball off of a bat. That's like the best way to judge it. And I think the best way to do it is like live situations, a live ball coming off of a bat and you knowing what, how fast you are, how fast you can get to this ball to, to either your left or your right. If you're better going to your left, if you're better going to your right, knowing that you should shade one way because you know, you're not as good going to your backhand or something like that. So I think that's something that you have to kind of figure out and practice off of live live action and uh, there's just a lot of reps kind of just knowing what your weaknesses are do you have any weaknesses or have you worked those all out <laughs> I have plenty of weaknesses I am not going to expose myself to all of them <laughs> <laughs> but 
Definitely. You'll see me shaded up the middle because I'd rather go to my forehand than my backhand. I'll say that. <laughs> I think that's important, though, for athletes. I mean, you're discussing now it's important to know yourself as a player, know yourself as an athlete and what you're able to do, what it is that you want to be able to do better. So give yourself the best advantage to get to a ball as possible. As you are working on these things physically, what is something that you focus on mentally to really prep yourself to know that you are capable to make these plays regardless of the situation, regardless of what you feel may be your weakness? You need to have this confidence about you. I mean, it doesn't have to be showy. It can be, it comes in different forms, but I think you have to know that you've made this play numerous times. You've made, you know, whatever play it is, you know that you've done this or more in practice all the time in certain games and certain situations. So just knowing that whatever's hit at you, you have the confidence to make that play because you've been there and you've done that. When you are working, I think the coolest play to watch middle infielders make is the backhanded play. <laughs> what is the most important aspect of making sure you can feel that cleanly? I think it, a lot of it comes with glove work. So a lot of times you want to like, you know, absorb the ball almost rather than letting your wrist like flick up. So I think what makes that play look really smooth is when someone has good glove control and is smooth with fielding it rather than it looking like it's a chore, like they make it look easy. That's, I think that's a really smooth play, like a smooth backhand. So yeah. How do you develop good glove control? I've never heard that being said. You hear back control all the time. I've never heard, maybe just because I'm an outfielder. You never <laughs> hear of glove control. So what does it take to have good glove control? <laughs> I think, you know, when you're fielding, you do a lot of with both hands. You field with two hands. Obviously, I always want to field with two hands. But it's working also, like, when you're in practice, working on just one hand, back hands, a lot of tedious things and small drills that, you're continuously working on your glove, like not letting your wrist break on a backhand and just doing these little bitty drills that seem like they're not important. But I think that small things end up being huge things when it comes down to it. So just doing the small drills all the time and just like working with small gloves, you know, just little bitty drills that can help with glove work. What's your favorite drill that's helped you personally with glove work? I would say short hops and backhands just a lot of it because I didn't even realize I was doing it until I got to OU I was one that would like break my wrist on a backhand sometimes instead of like absorbing it just getting in the rhythm of how to actually field it properly on a backhand so I did a lot of short hop work on my backhand and forehand just doing using one hand and using a small glove to really get a feel for it can you explain to me a little bit more of what it looks like when you say instead of breaking your wrist, you absorbed it? If you can't see it visually, can you kind of explain it a little bit more? Yeah. So like if you're going for a backhand, say your palm is like facing the ground. Whenever you go to field it, your finger shouldn't curl up and then like wrap around and then go to your throwing arm, so to say. I would say it should look more like your fingers are down, they stay down, and then you absorb it into your throwing shoulder. So it's like a nice smooth motion rather than a coming up and like turning into your body. Yeah, it does make sense. Hey, I'm always, I know I've been an outfielder for a long time, but if someone wants to give me a chance at short, I am going to take all the advice you're giving me and I'm going to apply it. What is 
the mentality of a great middle infielder? Mentality-wise, I think that you need to know that you're almost in charge of the infield. So if you're kind of a shy person, a quiet person, you have to step out of your comfort zone a little bit because you have to command the infield. You're the ones that can like see every play that goes on, you know, and you have to command the ball. So double play situations, you got to know mentality wise that you can get to second, you can get to first, like whatever it is, but you all, you just have to have this mentality of being almost like a boss and just commanding the ball, commanding certain plays, commanding situations and having a team that kind of trusts you and can follow you in that way. What has been the most important part of your journey to being a confident middle infielder? I don't know. I think that's a loaded question. I think just a lot of my experiences at OU have shaped me into being a confident player. Just playing with some of the best athletes I've ever played with at OU has helped me be better. Like watching Sid at third, watching Kelsey Arnold, Grace Lyons at short, watching Shay at first, like whatever position it is, seeing them excel at their position made me want to excel even more at mine. So I think just going back to like healthy competition, just having great teammates make you better was something that I was fortunate enough to have at OU, which just made me confident. Like we gelled on the infield together and it just made me confident because I knew I had their back and they had mine. Being able to use that healthy competition to get better. And there's just so many aspects to being a middle infielder that I feel adds so much pressure. And you're able to face that with the competition that you have with your teammates. In those moments when you're going up against a fast runner and they're up in the box, how do you handle that pressure, internalize it in order to get rid of that ball quickly, but still make a good throw? That's something that we'd work on at practice a lot, just with fast runners, because I know you're fast too. So we'd probably, if we were about to face you, we'd work on that a ton. But Coach Gasso would, you know, chop a ball on the infield and she'd set these unrealistic time, like this stopwatch on us to like get rid of the ball and make a good throw and get in out. It's like, we're like, this is so unrealistic, coach. No one's this fast. But she'd put this pressure on us to, you know, get get to the ball and get rid of it as fast as possible and make a good throw. So we were always pushing our limits at practice with like these unrealistic times down the line that we had to beat. So we kind of always put ourselves in those types of situations. Sounds like you really thrive under pressure. Every <laughs> moment that you're faced with when it's a pressure situation is something that you come out on top with. What about the ultimate pressure situation? Bases loaded, down by one run or up by a run and you have to stop the runner at third from getting a home ball hit directly to you and you're trying to make a play. How do you decide where to go in that moment? And what is the smartest decision? Oh, that's tough. Like I said, I think it honestly just comes down to everything. Like before each play, we're either going to meet in the middle and we're going to analyze everything. All right, this runner can't score. This is their fastest runner. This is their slowest runner. Knock something down. We get an out at one. I think it just really comes down to uh, being ready before the play actually happens. I feel like when you're unprepared in a pressured situation, obviously you're not going to do your best. So I try to be as prepared as possible as far as knowing each situation. And if I went here, what would happen? So we're always trying to look at 
what could happen before each play happens. No, it makes perfect sense. I think if you were to ask some of the top athletes in the world, no matter what sport, what they do before game time is they do a lot of visualization. And it sounds like that's a little bit of what you guys do. You kind of see the play before it happens and really realize what your options are so that if it does come to you, you know exactly what to do with it. Exactly. When you are thinking about those pressure situations and because you're so used to developing what it is that you want to do under those circumstances, how do you analyze exactly where you want to throw the ball? What is the situation that's given that tells you base is loaded, okay, we're going to go, we're just going to go three or base is loaded, we're going to get this out at home? I think a lot of that comes down to exactly where the balls hit in just different situations. Base is loaded, if the ball takes me to my backhand, I'm more than likely going to throw somewhere on the right of my body rather than turning around throwing to the left. I mean, a lot of things you can't control. So a lot of it honestly comes down to where the ball is hit. If it's hit to my forehand, my backhand, that plays a huge factor on where I'm going to go. Just because I know that a ball hit to my forehand, a play at three isn't realistic. So um, in those situations, balls hit to different sides of your body. What's the right play to make? And hopefully in those pressure situations, you make the right play. But it's not realistic all the time. Yeah, I would definitely say even no matter what level you're playing at the highest level or at travel ball level, it's hard to always decipher what is the right play. But to me, it sounds like putting yourself in pressure situations all the time, playing those out, seeing the outcome before it actually happens can certainly up your percentage of getting it right. Is that true? (laughs) Yeah, I would definitely hope so. But like I said, It's softball, and we're not going to be perfect every time. But in a perfect world, yeah, you're going to want to analyze the situation before and all that good stuff. And hopefully, you come out on top and you make the right play. What would be, Kaylee, your last bit of advice that you would give to people that are working right now? They're middle infielders. They want to be a shortstop, or they're stuck at the second base position, or they're at short and want to be at second base, vice versa, how they can continue to work on their game in order to win the spot that it is that they want to actually play at. As much as softball is physical, I think a huge, huge, huge part of being successful is your mental and like your attitude. So I would just say keep keep grinding, keep working on whatever drills you're working on, but also remember that to almost like win a spot, a lot of it comes down to just your attitude and your mentality. So I would just say the biggest part of it, something that I see whenever like we have campers and stuff, something that they might lack is like communicating. And I think that's a huge part of middle infield. So if you struggle with communication and talking, that might be something that you want to step out of your comfort zone a little bit and do that. Because I think, I mean, you can work on as many drills and whatever as you want to, to be the best physical softball players you want. But to, I think, be elite and be the best, you have to have like this mental game to you. And this, you know, a little bit of swag, (laughs) you know, that's what Coach Gaza would say. But just like, you know, it's, it's a little bit of softball swag. So you're able to command the infield, you're able to talk, you're able to, you know, that type of thing. So I think that's a huge part of it is the mental side of it and your attitude and how you go about playing. One last thing, you talked about communication, how that's so important. Why is that so important to middle infielders and the overall success 
of your entire team. We, as middle infielders, were able to see the entire infield, really, and say a ball gets hit to the outfield, then we're the relay. So we're in, we're in a lot of plays. We're in a lot of situations. We're having to relay information from the catcher to the outfield, telling them where to throw it on relays. You're having to tell your third baseman. You're, you're able to see the big picture almost on the field. So you have to be comfortable making a decision. And whether you're right or not, be confident in that call. Your teammates are going to trust you. So I would say it's a position, middle infield is a definitely a position where you have to be comfortable communicating. And if you're not, hopefully you can get there. Some amazing bits of advice for all the middle infielders out there that are looking to succeed and excel at the highest level or outfielders like me that want to just take a jab at it every now and then. We certainly know how we can get better. Kaylee, thank you so much for joining me. Before we go, I'd like to give a shout out to all the athletes for sharing their stories of how they stay unlimited. You heard Kaylee's story and we would love to hear yours. Please submit more to IGAU Pro Sports about how you're unlimited to be featured on the page and hear your question asked in the next interview. You just saw and heard how hard-headed Kaylee was about achieving her goals. Make sure you maintain that same mentality and work ethic so that you can achieve yours as well. Thanks again so much, Kaylee, for joining me. And we'll catch you guys next time on the next episode of Hard-Headed. Thanks. Thanks for having me.